And at the end of the day, after our life has been tattooed in history, will there be any regrets? <laughs> because once we've lived our life, we can't undo it, can we? And that's what life on mission is about, being deliberate so that at the end of the day, we don't have to look at what we've tattooed in our lives and say, I got it wrong. We want a life on mission for Christ. And as we've been going through this series, we've seen that we are called to be what? Ambassadors for Christ, witnesses for him. And in order to be that ambassador for Christ, God has given us his Holy Spirit. And he says that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses right where you live. Hey, I, I get something to say to everybody. All right. Um, that's okay. You, you just say it and I'll hold the mic. Okay. You might be from Nova Scotia if you go up uh, sidewalks and slide back down. Okay? Yeah. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. You will receive power. You will be my witnesses. And where will you be that witness? You'll be that witness in your home, in your community, in your place of work. And wherever God will take you, that is where God has called you to be his witness, to live for him, to be his ambassador. And as ambassadors, that means that we are connecting with people. You can't represent the kingdom of God all by yourself in your living room. You can't represent the kingdom of God hiding out on a golf course all by yourself. You can't be a witness for God when your light is hidden under a basket and your mouth is sealed. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. When Jesus was here as the Son of God, and he walked in our midst, and he showed us what God was like, he connected with people, he saw people. He saw a Peter, and he saw an Andrew. He saw fishermen, and he called them to come along and join him. He saw people like Matthew that we spoke about last week, and he invited him to come and be part of the adventure of faith. He saw a woman at the well who came out at an hour when it was unexpected to meet anybody because she was ashamed of her life. 
and he spoke with her and she discovered the love of God. Jesus saw the people that other people would not see. I've not come to call the righteous but sinners, he said. Who do you see? And we've asked you to ask that question. Who do you see at home who needs the love of God? Who do you see living next door who needs the love of God? Who do you see at your place of employment who needs the love of God or the place where you go and study who needs the love of God? Where you shop who needs the love of God? And part of our challenge of life on mission is for us to ask God to open our eyes to see the people that he wants to share his love with. We're on mission to connect, to be ambassadors, and to connect. And today we want to talk about the mission to serve because when we connect with people, we also need to be ready to serve them. And we want to look at what that looks like and maybe what that feels like to be servants of God. Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. That's an eye-opener if you believe it and if you practice it. Our life on mission as ambassadors, connecting with the people we see and serving those that we're connecting with, looking for opportunities to serve. We often get this wrong. In our churches, we come together and we form holy clubs and we draw into ourselves and we try to protect ourselves and insulate ourselves against the world and all the trials and all the difficulties. And we begin to set ourselves up like a holy club. And I think of this instance that we see on the, the board behind me, the screen. And it speaks of a mother who is concerned for her kids. Hey, as a parent, I want my kids to do well. And this particular woman, we believe her name was Salome, she came to speak to Jesus on behalf of her two boys. And uh, what does she do? She comes down in the presence of Jesus and kneels, and she says, oh, grant that the one of these Two sons of mine may sit, one on your, your right hand and the other on your left in the kingdom. You see, they were looking for the kingdom of God to come in power when Christ would set up his kingdom and rule. She was thinking of the, the prophet who said that the Messiah would rule with a rod of iron and he would break them like a potter's vessel and that the kingdom would be established. So, hey, I want my, one of my boys at your right hand and one at, my, one at your left because I want them right there in the positions of power in this coming kingdom. And so often we have that in mind that getting involved in the church is about getting power or wielding power. At least that's what it looks like to me at a lot of church meetings I've attended over the years. And some of the church meetings that I've attended over the years have been such that I've asked my wife never to attend with me. 
to the shame of the church. And I've heard of many others who say, I won't attend a church meeting because it's too hostile. How does that reflect the glory of God? What kind of witness have we become when we don't want to expose our wives and children to such hostility? What does that say about God's kingdom? or our understanding of it. Jesus went on and he said, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? See, Jesus was saying, it is about what I'm going to do. They didn't understand when Jesus said about the cup. They thought, oh yeah, we'll, we'll just it's, it's about ruling, it's about power, it's about authority. No, it's about suffering. It's about serving. It's about giving my life for you. We can, they answered. And Jesus said to them, and they found out later what he meant when he said, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my Father. God establishes rulers and authorities as he wants them, not as we want them. Well, when the ten, the rest of the disciples heard it, they were indignant with the two brothers. Well, of course they were indignant. They wished they'd thought of it first. <laughs> How many of us have been teenagers and you hop in the car and the first thing you do is you yell, shotgun, because you want to get the favorite seat and uh, everyone else says, oh, I wish I wanted to be, why, it was my turn, you know? And, and we do that, don't we? That's why the disciples were indignant. Did these guys beat us to the punch? Because we wanted those positions. And Jesus says, you know the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. You know this. Yeah, we know that. That's why we wanted to get there first. Not so with you. Do you see that? Not so with you. This is not how it is to be amongst us. This is not what I have called you to, says Jesus. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your... That's pretty harsh, isn't it? I'm not sure I like a kingdom where I have to be a servant or even a slave. What kind of kingdom is that? Whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come into the world to be served, but to serve, and to what? Can we read it together? That last line? And to give his life as a ransom for many. That means you. That means me. 
He came to give his life for you and for me. And to set us an example that we would do the same. That is what the kingdom of God is to be like, and that is what the church should look like. In Peter, it says this, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. You know, if you know a person is loving and kind, you can forgive some of their personality quirks and uh, forgive a lot of the other stuff. As husbands and wives, we, we learn to love and forgive each other even if we don't put the la dirty laundry in the right place. If we're loving, we can be forgiven some of these things. But if we're not loving, it just begins to build the tension and the conflict, doesn't it? Offer hospitality to one another. Oh, he put those words in again, didn't he? Without grumbling. <laughs> Got to speak to the guy who wrote this stuff. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. He said it. I'm just telling you what he said. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in his various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. And if anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides. Our first verse told us that God has given us his Holy Spirit so that we would have the power to serve, to be his witnesses, didn't we? Remember the first verse? Acts 1, verse... Ah, good stuff. So that in all things, who gets the praise? God. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen? Amen. Amen. You see, that's the way God has planned it for us that we serve as God has enabled us, as God has gifted us. And that's what the gifts of the Spirit are all about, serving one another, serving and building up the body of Christ, serving and being witnesses so that this world may know that God loves them and that Christ has come and has died for them and for us and that we might experience his love and his forgiveness. Well, in case we didn't understand what that looks like and in case the disciples still hadn't got the message, we read that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, the night that he was going to go into the garden and then be arrested and then be beaten and crucified, on that last night with his disciples as they sat around the table and they broke bread, Jesus got up from the table, took off his garments, put a towel around his waist, and began to wash his disciples' feet. Have you smelled a fisherman's foot lately? 
they did it up in Ottawa at a church they were washing people's feet. Did they? Yeah. To wash one another's feet. To serve one another. To take the lowest position of service. What does it look like to wash feet? What is that? How do we do that practically? Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am, he says. <coughs> now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, what does he say next? You can't say that I'm telling you to do this. I'm not. This isn't my idea. This is God's plan. This is what Jesus has instructed us as his children, as his disciples, as his followers to do. Wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed when? Folks, we have become a people who love Bible studies. We've loved our small groups. We love to read our Bibles. At least I hope you do. We've become a people who like to soak up knowledge. We're like sponges. We're always absorbing something new. But we have become very bad sponges because we never like to get squeezed out. You see, that's the whole purpose of a sponge, is to soak up so that it can be squeezed out, so that it can be soaked up again, so that it can be squeezed out. That's its whole life purpose. And that's what God wants to do with us. He gives us these things, not so that we'll soak them up in our heads and say, oh, how clever am I? I heard that doctrine. In fact, I know the origin of that doctrine, and I know where it leads, and I know all the churches that teach that doctrine, and we're the faithful ones because we believe that doctrine, right? Jesus isn't looking for people who are trying to collect a bunch of check marks next to the doctrines and teachings they've learned. He is looking for those who will practice what they've learned, who will do it. Blessed are you if you do them. Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And I think, Cheryl, there is a moment for you now. Yes, Cheryl is going to share with us a little bit of opportunities for us so that we might know what it looks like to wash one another's feet to be blessed as we do things for the kingdom of God. Now it's on. <laughs> <laughs>
Perfect. Thanks, guys. So a couple weeks ago, Mark spoke briefly about Love Churro and the sign-up sheets that are in the foyer. So we thought as a missions team, maybe we better tell you a little bit about what that's about, in case you weren't aware. So it's happening on Saturday, April 27th at 9.30 a.m., here at Emmanuel. It's a family-friendly event, so you can come and take part, and it's an opportunity to love on our community and to love our neighbors. There's going to be a lot of ways to get involved that day, as well as coming on to the day itself as we prepare. We'll be wearing these really cool t-shirts, and speaking of which, if you happen to have one of these beautiful t-shirts at home, and you're not able to participate this year, we would love to have them back so that we can wash them and reuse them. So on the front they say, love churro, and on the back, love God and love others. So those are what we will be wearing the day that we're helping out. Uh, so basically, to break down the event, we're going to come here at Emmanuel for 9.30. There's going to be a time of worship and prayer. Then uh, at 10 a.m., we're going to break out into the groups that you've signed up to, to be with. If you didn't get a chance to sign up, which I hope you do, you can still show up that day, but we'd like people to, to pre-sign up so that we know exactly how many groups we're sending out. So some of the activities that will be included will be delivering meals to those in need, delivering cookies to our first responders, um, some people will be giving out toonies for coffee downtown. Also giving out small toys to children, you know, like the party favors you see in treat bags and things like that. There's going to be an opportunity to pick up garbage around the town and also doing some yard work for at different various places and visiting some seniors' homes. So once your task is over, we're giving about two hours for these tasks, you'll come back up here and we'll give some testimonies and have some closing ceremonies. And then we're going to feed you <laughs> with a light meal. Uh, <laughs> food always brings people together, right? So then you can continue that conversation and talk about uh, what, what happened that day. So in order to do all of those things, we're going to need lots of people. So we need people to make chili, to make mac and cheese, to do biscuits, rolls, cookies. We're going to need people to pick up those little party favors. We're going to need people to donate toonies and people to package the food and the cookies as well. So we need all of you to get involved. I, we ask all of you to get involved if possible to make it a church-wide event. Um, you can do it in your small church group. So you could do it with Ladies Morning Out. You could do it with your Life on Mission group. You could do it with your family or your friends. You can show up by yourself and we'll partner you with somebody. We promise you'll get along. We hope you'll get along. <laughs> uh, it's going to be an amazing opportunity to show God's love in the community and really just to show a simple act of kindness in God's name that could have a real impact on our community. So a small commitment that if we all come together, could have a huge impact on Churro. So that, that following Sunday, so this is happening on a Saturday, on Sunday we might have an opportunity to speak to those testimonies as well, I believe. Uh, and I encourage you all to take a moment after the service to go to the sign-up sheets, which is right behind the sound booth there. There is something for everyone. I'm learning through this life on mission that not everyone has the same gifts and serves the same. So if you're that outgoing, in-your-face kind of server, there's something for you. If you're more private, behind-the-scenes server, there's something for you too. There's something for all ages and all limitations. So please take the chance to get involved. Also, bring a friend. It's not just for Emmanuel. We've reached out to some other churches and Groundswell and Abundant Life are coming on board with us, which is really, really exciting. Churches working together. Woohoo! <laughs>
So I thought I'd try and make it a little easy on you this morning. In case you're a little nervous about signing up, how about you reach into your pockets and grab a quarter or a toonie, some spare change you have, and bring it over to the booth. And as you're dropping it into the bucket, you can kind of peek over the sign-up sheets to see if there's a spot for you. Very non-committal, very small commitment, but then you can check out everything that's there. You don't even have to talk to me. So anyways, we hope you all get involved. Thank you very much. Thank you, Cheryl. That's great. She looks better than I do, too, doesn't she? <laughs> One occasion, an expert of the law stood up and, uh, to test Jesus. He said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, what's written in the law? Jesus replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul with all your strength and your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. I've got all the check marks next to the right beliefs, he said. So Jesus said, you've answered correctly. Do this. Oh, there's that do word again. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Is this the first time anyone here has heard this story? <laughs> In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going by on the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. There's so many people that we choose not to see. There's so many situations, even in our own homes or communities, that we choose not to see. It's the wrong time. It's inconvenient. Whatever excuse we have, we choose to ignore or to pass it by, don't we? But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, the difference is he chose to see him. And we've been talking about seeing the people in our lives and seeing those around us, needing to observe. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. And maybe that's why we don't want to see problems, because if we see it, we'll feel we have to do something about it. And so we close our eyes. But he saw him. And he took pity on him. And he went to him. And he bandaged his wounds. Look at the things that he's doing here. His, this was his love Truro day. He saw him. He went to him. He bandaged his wounds. He poured on oil and wine. He put the man on his own donkey. He brought him to an inn. He took care of him. He took out some tunies. <laughs> and gave them to the innkeeper. He, he gave instructions that he would be cared for. He made plans to return. He made plans to reimburse any extra expenses. This man seemed to be well organized, and maybe that was his gift. Maybe he was a businessman. Maybe he was used to doing things and doing them well. 
But the big difference wasn't that he had all these skills because the Levite and the Pharisee, they also had skills. And they were expected to serve the church. They were expected to serve one another. They were expected to help the man who was injured because he was a countryman. The Samaritan, as you will know, because you've heard this sermon a hundred times, you would know that the Samaritan was despised. He's one of those. He's from the wrong side of the tracks. He's from the other side of the river. He's from that part of town. We don't talk with people from that part of town. He was a Samaritan. But he did something. And Jesus said, which of the three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? Which of these do you think showed the love of God to his neighbor? Which of these showed the love of God in his community, in his Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth? Which of these do you think did the right thing? And this expert in the law couldn't even bring himself to say the word Samaritan. He just said, the one. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. Do you have an opportunity to serve? Do you have an opportunity to be an ambassador? Do you have an opportunity to see someone in your home, your community, that you can serve and bless and help? Go and do likewise. Truly, I tell you, what you have done for one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did for me. We have an opportunity to do it for Jesus. Are we willing? Will we do it?